Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello and welcome to the Betches Up Podcast. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Amanda Duberman. And for those of you who are just tuning in, the Betches Up Podcast is your weekly rundown of all the crazy shit that's happened in the news explained by your two funniest friends. Which is us. Today we're talking about an impeachment update. An update on the latest candidate to drop out. And the slap heard around the world. Let's get into it. Betches Media presents. Like beer? I don't know if you do. Okay. you like beer, Senator, or not? Um, Mom, I want a vape. <laughs> Nude pictures of Trump. Come on now. Don't mess with me. The Betches Sup Podcast. How dare you? 2020. 2020. New year, new intro. Yes. How uh, dare you? I love the new it's intro. Fun. It I I heard it for the first time today and it really made me laugh. We made it today. You guys yeah. should see all the clips that were actually it, I would be that would be fun to like put on story all the clips that we couldn't include because we only had 12 seconds cuz last year it was a, a lot year. happened. Yeah. So many clips. So so, so, so many clips. Many clips. So many clips. Uh, yeah. But Mommy I want to vape is is Mommy a, I want <laughs> is excellent. Yeah. <laughs> and Donald Trump's nudes, both of those. Had to be included. They had to be in there. Do you, do you have any New Year's resolutions, Lise? Do I? Well, here's the thing, Amanda. I'd love to tell you my New Year's resolution, but I actually saw our, our president make a statement that uh, you're uh, not supposed to say your New Year's resolutions out loud. Did he say that? I think he did. Should we he listen did. to him say that? We have a clip. Peace on the world. Peace is right, but I'm, I'm not sure you're supposed to say resolution out loud. Okay, so we don't want to, I don't want to say what my resolution is because I think we jinx it, all right? But I can tell you we have a good, we really have a good resolution and it's a resolution for our country. It's, the clip truly made me laugh. I mean, first of all, the real star of the clip is Melania Melania. just going, peace on the world. On the world. And getting progressively more irritated as Trump is just like, well, you don't say uh, New Year's resolution, right? You don't say, he looks very, you guys should watch the clip because he looks very like, oh, I know this one. Yeah, very confident. He's like, you don't say him. But I also love him just being like, but we've got a great resolution. (laughs) It's the best resolution. I can't, I just, the whole clip just proves to me that they are two people who are incapable of acting normal. Never acted like, normal. He's not. It's New Year's Eve. You don't have an answer for what's your New Year's resolution. You don't have anything prepared. Nothing. Like he's like, no, I got out of that one scot clean. Yeah, less collusion, less obstruction. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Probably doubling down, more collusion, more obstruction That's true, yeah. than we did last year. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> peace on the world. <laughs> Just on it, not all over it. Maybe next year's intro, we can have Melania saying peace yeah. on the world. <laughs> Especially if he doesn't get elected. There yeah, will be we'll peace just on keep that. Peace on. That's her, actually, that's her subtle way of hoping that he doesn't get reelected. Right. <laughs> What's your resolution to sabotage yeah. this man's reelection peace so we might have a little bit of peace on this planet? You all know what that means. Yeah. Right, 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 right. She was definitely, I think also there's a take that she was uh, referring to the symptoms of climate change. She's just hoping that they sort of. Yeah. Well, we know Melania is always sending us secret she, messages. She's, she's blinking in Morse code. <laughs> she's wearing clothes with 
She sometimes has to be overt, sometimes hidden meanings. Always. Do you remember the time she wore a shirt that had a thing called a pussy bow on yes. it? And everyone oh, was right. like, it's a message. For sure. And she wore white. Like anytime yeah. she wears white, it's like she's a it's suffragist. A me- it's a message. And it's like, well, I mean, maybe she does like like voting. Yeah. <laughs> also, maybe she if just she looks votes good here, in white. I'm not sure she does. Yeah. She does look good in white. She, she maintains white. a healthy tan. Totally. She, her tan looks way better than Trump's. She, she just looks she good in Tulsi white. She and have a similar color palette they like to share. That is true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. Uh, speaking of peace on the world, <laughs> the Pope, I think, is... <laughs> a perfect segue. <laughs> it really is. Um, What's getting you through the week, <laughs> this very short week? Okay. What's been getting me through this very first week? Yeah. In what will hopefully no longer be Trump's America <laughs> by the end of the year. Oh, yeah. It's got to be the Pope slapping that lady. Yeah. <laughs> so he um, slapped a lady. If you guys have not seen the video, pause, Google Pope slap. It'll come right up. But <laughs> <laughs> on New Year's Eve, the Pope was doing his classic group go out and greet the people on New Year's Eve. Uh, just a reminder, he's 83 years old. He's out there, you know watching the Vatican ball drop or whatever. He's greeting people. (laughs) And a lady grabs his hand and then he tries to walk away and she yanks him back and then he kind of just like slaps her on the hand. Uh, And the next day during his New Year's Day speech, which he always gives, he apologized for the incident. He said, many times we lose our patience. I do too. I'm sorry for yesterday's bad example. But here's what I'm going to say. After watching the video, I'm team Pope all yeah. the way. I get why he had to apologize because it's a PR yeah. problem right. if you're the Pope and you're slapping You're slapping people. women, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think there was something in his New Year's Eve or uh, or the address he gave afterwards um, saying, like, yeah, let's not have violence against women. Yeah, so he probably did have to yeah. apologize. But we also can't be yanking old no, people around I mean, he and was- grabbing and pulling at celebrities yeah. or anybody or but especially an 83 year old man if you yank him he can be injured by that oh completely i mean and it wasn't like a hard slap no 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 it, it was, was i disciplinary. mean he sort of like pulls his hand to get it away and when it, you it becomes clear that that's not how he's getting his hand away yeah. and he still wants to get out of the situation he's just like swats at her and it's like like a child yeah. like what are you doing do you can you imagine being First of all, the type of person who loves the Pope so much that they are in Vatican City on New Year's Eve, front line, front row seat to yes. see the Pope, and then he slaps you. <laughs> can, can you imagine? He slaps you. I was thinking, I was like, so that woman needs to be on a watch. I hope she has friends and family she, she nearby. She had Beatlemania face. Yeah. She's going crazy She's seeing the Pope. And, and then you can it. see her what her face when she begins to realize yeah. that she has just been slapped, slapped by, by the Pope. <laughs> And it's just, she's like, this is, this is it. This is who I am. Now. I do wonder, yeah. and I do kind of hope they arranged for like a personal apology if there was any way to like figure out who she was. Just I hope that they mutually, I mean, she needs to apologize also yeah. for grabbing on the Pope. She like clearly, that. okay. I think you and I are having a dialogue about this. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> when this happened to, I remember like people were making memes and I was like, is this funny? Is it okay? Yeah, it's funny. It's fine. There's no like, but I feel like she was probably waiting. She probably had been waiting there since last week. 
That's true. And he literally, he's like, she's probably sees him and she's like, are you serious? I'm, that's the person before me. He's the last person he's going to say hi to. And she's just like, fuck no. This is my only chance. Eyes and glaze she just over. Grabbed she's like, but, I got to yeah. get at this pope. I am sure he's grabbed like that all the time. And like, can you imagine if he snaps like yeah. this is the one time he did? That's pretty yeah. impressive. It's good that he apologized because he is the pope yes, and he right, has to apologize. Right, right. But the, it, yeah. it, the best part is when he just walks away scowling. Yeah, he walks away and you can see like, the gears turning in his head of being like, shit, I just, I'm, that's going to be a whole thing. Yeah. I even his team is lady. just like, shit. <laughs> so I love being on the Pope's team. I know. <laughs> it's like a bunch of angels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Who's going to like come after you when you're team Pope? I do feel like I'm like, well, why isn't there anybody looking out for the Pope? Yeah. Why? Like, why was it up to the Pope to have to slap the lady? Right. And why isn't there someone walking a couple steps behind the Pope who can do that yeah. dirty work for them? Because I have a friend of mine who does that for the Washington Nationals mascots. Interesting. Well, uh, he bodyguards it. for them. And if people grab them or jostle them yeah. around, he slaps them. Yeah. <laughs> he so he does them, the but, slapping. Yeah. But I'm like, if, if we can get that for the Washington yeah. Nationals mascots... Why can we not get that right. for the Pope? Yeah. Surely sur- surely somebody should have intervened before the Pope. Right. I'm like, the Pope should not be fighting these battles right. for himself. Yeah. Like, we don't need to have him doing these martial art trainings <laughs> so that he can be safe. Okay. Ugh. Amanda, what's been getting you through this week in Trump's America? Um, so for me, I wanted to run through a few, like, positive, fun, new state laws. Amazing. Um, this is always a fun time of year because there's always, like, a little gaggle of, of fun, new state laws. These ones are all positive. Great. Chiefly, and you've probably heard this by now, cannabis is legal in Illinois, recreational, you can buy it. Uh, The first person in line to buy it was the state's lieutenant governor. Hell yeah, (laughs) I love that. Juliana Stratton, she's amazing. That's the leader. That is the leadership we need. That rocks. Doesn't it rock? Like at midnight. Um, Maybe the next morning, I'm not sure. And she tweeted, for too long, Illinois residents, particularly those that are black and brown, have been targeted and criminalized for cannabis possession. It's not just a new year. It's a new way. So the same, the day before the law went into effect, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker granted more than 11,000 pardons for low-level convictions. Because if you're going to yeah. legalize without doing that. Yeah, that's like, that's a key yeah. part of the legalization process, which I obviously support. Yes. But um, <laughs> it, like, it has to also come with... Uh, overturning some convictions and pardoning people and yeah. striking people's things from the record and all yeah. that stuff. And when possible, prioritizing people who have been disproportionately affected by the war on yes, drugs in indeed. actual, the legal. I mean, yeah, people always, it's always very disappointing when you see like people will tweet pictures of people waiting in line to get permits to sell and it's just like a long row of white men lining yes. up to cash in on this thing that has like destroyed this because if you have that has destroyed people's lives in a lot of states if you have like a previous felony conviction which in a lot of states a marijuana possession charge Mm -hmm. is or has been in the past then you are not eligible to get the license to sell marijuana so it's like yeah you they can't even legally enter this business that for some of them, I mean, some people pro- might have not been like growing or whatever, but some of them might literally be legitimate experts right. who could come into the field and do their work legitimately, right. you know? Yeah, totally. So it's all good. And that's that makes one. me laugh about the I know. I love her. <laughs> um, elsewhere in the country, uh, 21 states and 26 cities and counties raised minimum wage. Hell yeah. Amazing. Um, Colorado's red flag gun laws now in effect, which means family and other authorized parties can um, basically say, like, can you take a gun away from 
my family or friend, member of my family or friend who, is, who should not have some guns. Um, and my boyfriend lives in Colorado, so I spent a lot of time there, and I was pleased with this. Yeah, I was like for the nice. first. I realized for like for the first time in maybe ten years, I was alone in like a suburban household, like a house yeah. household. I was by but, myself, and also what has characterized the past decade of my life, other than living in New York City, is becoming obsessed with true crime. Yes. So I had never been like in a house by myself in the suburbs. It was the scariest. Yeah, and you're just like the past ten years. You're like this is how it happens. But now at least next time I do that, I can be safe in the security that. That they're red flag yeah, that, so, that yeah. people can be like, "Hey, my yeah. son keeps posting like v- extreme violence yeah. on the internet. Maybe he can't have a gun." Exactly. Tennessee um, has regulations making it easier to conceal and carry. We're going to talk a little bit about conceal and carry later in this episode. <laughs> too. Uh, texting and driving is now officially illegal in Florida. <laughs> Great, Florida yeah. man arrested for texted and driving. You know what? Here's what I'll say. I spent a lovely week of Christmas in Florida and um, for as many jokes as I make about it, it was, it was great. Really I was in the Florida Keys. <laughs> it was December. I was on a boat. Oh. I was paddle boarding. Oh God. Honestly, gorgeous. I think Colorado is the new Florida in a lot of ways. <laughs> Virginia is uh, well, yeah. had a, had a run of being the new Florida yeah. for a couple weeks there as Everyone well. Everyone gets a year. It's like, like the G, the G seven or something. It's like you get a year where it's, you decide what, to, what the Florida will always be a special kind for of sure. little weird place, but yeah, um, you can't beat it. I can't, you can't beat those keys. Yeah. And plastic bag bands have started in, would you believe it? Oregon. Wow. They care about the planet and New Mexico. So that's excellent. That is good. Yeah. So fun new laws. Dotted across the nation. Obviously, the most exciting is a uh, is weed in Chicago. Weed in Chicago. Yeah, going to make a lot of Chicago trips a lot for more sure. Time. Yeah, I know yeah. it makes me realize that I I need to get to Chicago. Yeah, I, seriously. <laughs> well, I was in Colorado, so I'm good for a little while. Yeah, you <laughs> you're good forever. Yeah, I'm honestly surprised that like a Florida hasn't done yeah. it just because they seem like the type of they seem like the they type. they seem like in general their ethos is like don't tell live me what to do live. right don't tell me what to do yeah. Totally. I live in a van full of meth. Don't tell me I can't. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I won't text and drive. No, I won't. No, that's crazy. (laughs) Uh, Should we get into the main news? Uh, Yes, we should. We'll do a quick impeachment update because I feel like we've been talking about impeachment. I feel like our last couple episodes before you left were like, is what's going on with this? So it happened. It's happened. We did it. He's impeached. Impeachment still appears to be at a standstill, though. that's probably also just because Congress hasn't been in session. Yeah, they're on a break. I think the House returns tomorrow and then the Senate returns shortly after that. And then presumably the Senate trial starts, which Pelosi has said she won't. She still hasn't handed over these articles. And there are a lot of discussions as to why. Mm-hmm. I honestly think it's not as like, oh, she's having leverage and she won't give them over until she has a fair trial. Because like, what's Mitch McConnell going to change? What's he going to do? I, I just don't trust him to follow an agreement that was even made but um i think that nancy's done a really good job with how she's played impeachment so far so i kind of trust her and she said like i can't part of transmitting the articles is appointing house managers and i can't do that until i know more about what the trial will look like which seems to me kind of like i can't decide which players to put in until i know the rules of the game i also think is my Sports analogy. <laughs> and it was very good. Thank you. I also no think that she might be um, on that note. I, I don't feel like she's going to be able to leverage it the way some people think, where it's like, we're going to get a totally fair process yeah. out of Mitch McConnell because of this. <laughs> but she 
at least could get him to come out and say something about what the process is going to be and either face backlash against that and have to change it or be locked into a more fair thing because he came out publicly and was like, the trial is going to be three weeks long and it's going to look like this, you know? Or if he says it's going to be two weeks long and I'm doing X, Y, Z, that's bad, he might face, as we've talked about, some pressure from even within his own party if there's enough backlash from people being like, well, you just admitted it, it's not going to be fair. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad they're finally, because he's been saying like, no, no witnesses. And I'm like, I'm confused. I thought that he had to, I've been hearing it only takes 51 senators to say, yes, we want a witness, but he's refusing. I assume what he says he's refusing to do is even put it to a vote. Yeah, that's but his now, game is he's yeah. like, I'm not even going to let you guys vote on it. And when he said that, I was like, really? Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Mitt Romney, none of them want to hear from any witnesses. And it sounds like maybe they would be open to hearing from so some So Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins, the dynamic duo of being disappointed in what's going on. Um, they have both come out publicly on sort of local radio stations to themselves. First, Lisa Murkowski on like an Anchorage station. And then over the weekend, Susan Collins on Maine Public Radio to criticize the fact that McConnell has said previously that he's going to do everything in this and direct. This is a direct quote in total coordination with right. the White House. Susan Collins, because she's messy Messy, <laughs> messy, messy is uh, also also got to dig in at Elizabeth Warren and her statement. She was like, I think that senators on both sides of the aisle have been inappropriate. Like you have Elizabeth Warren saying that he should be impeached and Mitch McConnell <laughs> saying this. And I'm like, He's no, the person who's being inappropriate is Mitch McConnell, yeah. who is not allowing a fair trial to take place and is actually lying bold faced to the American people when he's like, we don't have to be impartial. He he yeah. said in an interview, we don't have to be impartial. And it's like, no, you literally to start the impeachment trial, they all take a vow yeah. of impartiality. Right. So that's a lie. Right. And did you see, I think over the weekend, I forgot about this, Marco Rubio, I think somebody asked him like, so what do you think about all the reports? He's like, I haven't read any of it. Sir, fuck Marco Rubio. That's all. Honestly, that's Rubio. all I can say in response to news about anything yeah. that Marco Rubio says or does. It's just really little jarring, Marco. The willful, like not even just I've read it and I have determined. It's like I won't even read it. Yeah, it's. I mean, you have and then, been picked. This is your job, right? Also, this guy was so mean to you, right? <laughs> so mean right. to you, that's like true. you're really. That spineless that you can't even like you can't even stand up for process a little bit. And that's like it's so within his like weird little net that he's carved out for himself to be like, well, I think I'm just voting this way because of process. I'm Marco Romeo. Yeah. But he can't even do that because he's a little baby. Garbage. Tiny little garbage baby. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) We're also hearing a little bit. From Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts. Interesting. He will oversee the trial. So he always does like an end of year like, here's what's going on with the judiciary. (laughs) I'm not sure I knew that. I just imagined it as him posting his Insta story that's like, this (laughs) year was crazy. And it's like memory. Right. Can you believe? Right, (laughs) right, right. (laughs) This is how many times we like shot back and forth Trump's tax returns. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, I don't know, different pictures. But a lot of publications were suggesting that what he wrote was like directed at Donald Trump. Um, He basically he warned about he really concentrated on like civics education and said he was really worried about false information spreading on social media. He warned against mob rule. Um, 
some interpreted certain passages as like communicating his plans for the impeachment trial. Um, I'm going to read a little bit as and try not to be too boring about it. He said, we should reflect on our duty to judge without fear or favor, deciding each matter with humility, integrity, and dispatch. As the new year begins and we turn to take ta- turn the task before us, we should each resolve to do our best to maintain the public's trust and that we are faithfully discharging our solemn obligation to equal justice under the law. To me, that does not sound like it's directed to Trump. To me, that sounds like it's directed to Republican senators. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you guys have to conduct this in a normal yeah. way. Right. Like, you're going to acquit. The crazy thing to me is there's actually no reason. Like, they could just do a normal trial. They're going to acquit him anyway. He's not going to be impeached. So Mitch McConnell could put up a normal trial that he still controls. They They still exonerate him at the end of it. And it's done. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like... I guess what could complicate that is that some of the stories that came out um, yeah. over the break that like some of the highest up aides like Mick Mulvaney and John Bolton and Esper and some of these people in the Office of Management and Budget were intimately aware of what was going on. Were yeah. Intimately aware, aware of Trump's like direct knowledge and ask of it. Um, yeah. And it's Schumer, like we all know that. But yes. then suddenly when there are scoops that come out about it, it's just like Jesus. And Schumer wants them to be called as witnesses and has said that several times. That's obviously not going to happen. But it's like, what's the real difference of them holding a five week trial like they did for Bill Clinton or a two week trial materially when we know that the Senate's going to acquit him? More damaging stories about Trump might come out. Yeah. But it still would be done so far before the election that I'm just not sure. That's why like the longest and maybe this is why they're holding it up or the idea behind holding up is like the longer. I know that McConnell wants a quick trial. I think Trump has gone back and forth between wanting like a big ornate drawn out defense of him and like let's just get this done. So yeah, of course, but the he longer, doesn't know anything. Right, so. exactly. <laughs> he's, he's an so idiot. Before, so. But like, right. Now that you mentioned like all of these scoops coming out, it's like the longer they delay this, the more incentive journalists have to keep surfacing and digging for for damning information that proves yes. that he should that this should go even a step farther. So it's like the quicker they can just get this done. Like I've worked in newsrooms before. Like you're sort of motivated by the news of the day for better and for, or for worse sometimes. And, yeah. You know, the longer this is the big story and it doesn't have a period at the end of it, we're going to keep adding to it. Right. Because I mean, just think back about the Mueller report. It's like as soon as those hearings were done, I feel like everyone, no one even talks about it. It got brought up again in this impeachment right. trial and they opted to not pursue things that were also in the Mueller report because they didn't even want to like muddle this up with the Mueller report. So to me, I'm just like, I don't, I mean, Mitch McConnell's an evil genius so far be it for me to critique his evil plans, but I just don't see what the difference is between like what the material difference would be for them in holding a real actual trial and this very obvious sham trial when it's a foregone conclusion what's going to happen either way and yeah. it's happening so far before the election either way that like it's I just probably don't. yeah I mean it's probably because the more damning information the longer a trial is the more damning information yes. will surface and it's damning information that Republicans because we know how this is going to end are willfully going to ignore yes so it's like the less of that shit I don't know how much worse yeah, they can get. Like that the, can come up and they can say, yep, we're fine with that too. Like, yeah. I feel like the worse it is for someone like Susan Collins who's running against like, who is like a serious primary challenger. Yes. Also, if anyone is in Maine, please vote for Sarah Gideon. whoever. Sarah Gideon. 
Give her your money. She's I'm dope. Give, I'm gonna give her my money. Yeah. Susan Collins, ever since she pulled that shit with Kavanaugh, where she was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna knew. do. And then yes, first of all, she always knew. And then she held that 40 minute press conference where she stood in the middle of Justified. the chamber like she was the president giving the State of the Union and talked for truly 40 minutes about why she was voting for Brett Kavanaugh. I was like, Right. No. Yes. Murkowski can hang, but Susan yeah. Collins. No. Yeah, she's had more no. more redeeming moments. So yeah, Roberts. I mean, Roberts and Trump, I don't say they don't get along, but remember a couple years ago or maybe less than a year ago, Trump referred to like an Obama judge that um, shut down his like asylum yes. policy and Roberts responded very sort of out of care. It was like, There's, there are not Obama judges. There are not Trump judges. There are not Bush judges. That is not how this works. We are all impartial and we're just doing our best. And he wrote in this thing, like he wrote a lot about civics education and like, we all need to be, people need to be informed. Otherwise, yeah. mob mentality takes over, which is just, it's pretty thinly veiled. I, I, yeah. Um, and he, he praised. So as I was reading this, I was like, what is the judiciary's role in this? And he said to write like more accessible decisions. And yeah. like, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a dig, at, like maybe not a 400 page report that nobody's going to read. Yeah, um, I mean, imagine how, like, w- uh, going on the civics education thing, like, imagine how great it would be if the, like, the general populace actually kind of knew right. what these different, like, what the different duties and responsibilities yeah. were. Yeah. Like, if Mitch McConnell couldn't come out and be like, we actually don't have a duty to be impartial. Yes. And people were like, right. no, we actually learned in school that you do. Yes, you totally. know, Right, right. And he, he went out of his way to praise um, the chief judge of the D.C. Circuit because that guy, like, who volunteers and tutors civics education has like brought other judges in to do that. And mm. that person is Merrick Garland. Uh, he went out of his way to praise Merrick Garland. So I liked this little, this little. Yeah, that was a little, little dig. Yeah, I thought it was fun. So we'll be seeing that guy very reluctantly oversee the Senate trial. But <laughs> while we're in this holding power, Giuliani. Oh, my God. He is out in fine form. So he was at, I think he was at the same New Year's party. I think he was at Trump's New Year's party in Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, that fucking um, Sugar Ray went to (laughs) Mark McGrath. Was he there? Oh, yeah. Oh, I saw that. I didn't know that was from this year. Oh, yeah. Sugar Ray was there. Yikes. He says um, that he'd be willing to testify at his client Senate trial, um, but also says that he would love to represent Trump in the proceedings. Oh, I would love that, too. I would testify. I would um, do demonstrations. I'd give lectures. I'd give summations. Or I'd do what I do best. I'd try the case. I'd love to try the case. I would love, I want him to do all of those things. I, I thought when you heard that, did you think like, oh, he wants to show how he would try Trump? No, he, I think I realized what he was doing was inverting it and implying that, um, He's the defense, or he yeah. has to prosecute. He would be Trump's lawyer. He has to prosecute House the Democrats for attempting to impeach him. I um, for racketeering. I would said. love nothing more than if, over the course of the next few weeks, Rudy Giuliani not only testified but also did demonstrations and yeah. gave lectures, and then was like, "And now I'll be defending myself." Like Ted Bundy, he's <laughs> just like the defense rests. It's so <laughs> shocking. It's truly shocking. And he said in this, he was like, "I basically invented uh, prosecuting racketeering," which is kind of true. I know when Giuliani was like a good dude like he he really helped take down the mob in the 80s for racketeering and you know what is racketeering basically the, like when you do illegal shit to get money that's yeah not expl- you, like, it's the, the laws mob. that were created specifically so that we could try the mob because for a yeah. long time like 
for a long time like oh i thought you said so we could like i thought you meant so we could like try it out yeah so, so that people could try doing racketeering prosecute no all. it's because for a long time they like it was really really hard to prosecute any cases against mob bosses because they don't directly do oh. the crimes they Makes order sense. other people to do crimes and so racketeering laws were like no if you're the person who orders that all these crimes be done you can be prosecuted under so i assume in this case that's like he wants giuliani wants to go after for like adam schiff for yeah i guess he thinks that the democrats are racketeering because they're yeah. impeaching the president i don't know Giuliani. i mean the man doesn't know what he's he saying. doesn't know he so an article an interview came out with him about a week ago in new york magazine with um olivia nuzzi who's incredibly talented and is like 27 or something rude yeah yeah rude um and I want to read some highlights. I actually didn't read it until today, but he was referring to like saying he wanted to represent Trump, calling the office that he that are investigating him and he used to run, calling them assholes, calling them idiots. Um, he said that uh, he wouldn't want to sound too boastful, but it would be hard not to if he were to to testify and try the case. He said that they're all jealous of him in the Southern District. Mm-hmm. He described that he talked about David Holmes, the guy who said he overheard um the Sondland uh, phone call and yes. said like, well, how do you know that guy's not an alcoholic or a paranoid schizophrenic? Like I take that line of <laughs> how reasoning, do you know? like admitting he like t- would take a very problematic approach to, I guess, how do you know anyone's not an alcoholic yeah. or a paranoid right. schizophrenic? Right. Yes. Who hasn't ever demonstrated that they're either of those things. Like, what do you mean? She goes to brunch with him and he has two bloody Marys. He falls against a wall. He, Says that he often calls the White House just to chat with Jared Kushner and make fun of him. <laughs> he was like, Jared and I have a weird, funny relationship. I used to say that he was incompetent or was dispensable. And now I just call him in the morning and at night and we talk. It's so That's, weird. He's so, I mean, listen, if I had Jared Kushner's number, I'd call him every day and roast him too. Right, I'd right. be like, hey, buddy. Yeah, there's a funny <laughs> scene where like the where um Giuliani's security guard is like, do you have all three of your phones? And Giuliani says yes. And then later the reporter, after Giuliani leaves, he has left one of his phones in the car. She describes that he's wearing um, a blue suit with a fly undone. He had an American flag pin, a diamond-encrusted pinky ring, and a diamond-encrusted Yankee World Series ring. So this man is unhinged. He's unraveling. And it's his, kind of sad to watch. The fly undone is a beautiful The fly undone touch. is, like, really painful. And That's he just, a beautiful touch. Like, every time she describes, like, every time he describes some anecdote she then has to correct like everything that he got wrong about it like he gets confused about if who James Comey is it's it's, <laughs> it's totally it's a real I guess James Comey's daughter is involved in I, I don't know it's a whole thing it's a really great interview and worth reading it's shocking everything I read about him is shocking but um it's interesting that he used to be a really competent and successful person on the level that he was. I know. Because Trump was always like, I mean, he was more, definitely more with it at a time, but he was always kind of a blowhard and like yeah. his businesses were yeah. not successful. Right. Like, Yeah, everything you see about Giuliani is like, nobody's like the fall of Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like he, Donald Trump was has, has always been on this yeah. weird path of whatever he's doing. But Giuliani was legitimately like a beloved figure yeah. uh who the was well America's respected mayor. yeah he, i mean he was america's mayor and he also like cleaned up new york and all that yeah, stuff handled like 9 11 pretty yeah i mean inarguably well he came he went on snl yeah he did the first snl after 9 11 right the, pe- was, the piece ends with like him like referring to a couple on a bench being like oh it's homeless people are so sad like when i was mayor i would always call the police whenever i saw homeless people and tell them to go handle it and the writer's just like these 
there was no indication these people were homeless. <laughs> there was just like a couple on a bench also, and it was kind of cold. So you see homeless people and then you call the police <laughs> to have them arrested? Oh, the homeless like outreach. I think, okay. I think I he's like, referring, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, it's so sad. We need to arrest yeah. them. Right. We got to arrest <laughs> yeah. all of them. Right. So sad. So like, sad they're doing, they're doing crimes. All oh. right, should we, we get on to the next news? Are we is, switching gears? Yeah, which is more depressing. Some shootings and stabbings. Yes. Speaking of New York. Um, there was a, uh, a spate of violence, I, I guess I would say, while we were on our break. Um, three people, including the shooter, were killed after a shooting at the West Freeway Church of Christ in White Settlement, Texas, which... I might rename the town White Settlement. Did you hear how it got its name? How did it get its name? Because white people, I think Native Americans gave it that name. Okay. Um, which is fine. But then I think they had opportunity to change it if they wanted to. And they chose not to. White Settlement <laughs> just gives me bunker vibes. I'm yeah. just saying. Like, but where the whites are settled. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, oh, I don't know if I need to be over there. So basically what happened was uh, a man entered this church. He opened fire. He was actually killed within six seconds of opening fire because this church had what they call a security team that was on hand. Uh, a man named Jack Wilson, who was an experienced firearms instructor, uh, was acting as this volunteer security guard and he was able to shoot. Yeah. And kill this person. He also owns a firing range and is a reserve sheriff. So, like, that's a guy yeah, you, that you're someone, fine you with know having. He, I'm okay if he has a gun. Yeah, they're like, a, that's a what I would call a responsible yes. gun owner. Um, so, because of how this went down and because this security team was in place and was able to kill this shooter... The NRA and other pro-gun groups are kind of pointing to this shooting as, like... Uh, proof that their policies work, that their idea of the only thing that stops a good guy or bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun, or and vice versa. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> like that's they they're basically saying like, look, this worked. Right. Um, I can just imagine them reading the details of Jack Wilson and just being. Yeah, I mean, they must thrilled. have been salivating, dying over that. But and they're the ones that are always like, don't politicize tragedy when this happens, and people say, well, people shouldn't. That person shouldn't have had a gun. But yes. now they're like. Well, let's just talk about the politics. But we can also say, like, people still died. Like, the gunman was killed, but also One of the security people was killed. One of the security people was killed. So that's not great. And then um, the deacon, who... The deacon, Anton Wallace, who was a 64-year-old man, and then the security volunteer, Richard White, were also killed. So it's just like... For me, I'm like, if um, if your ideal of your policies is a gunfight in a church where three people die. Right. Let's maybe rethink that. Yeah. You know, because my ideal is that there's just no gunfight in the church. Yeah. And they're really shilling this because um, this is a result of like new Texas laws um, that allowed or said that you can't disallow um, people from bringing concealed weapons into places of worship, um, building sort of security forces at schools. This is in Texas. Um, you can have more guns on rental properties. And these laws um, came into or were drafted after the Sutherland Spring shooting that killed 26 people in 2017 as like the the idea being like we just need to have more people armed. Yeah. And people are we pointing need a fire to this. fight in the church. Right. That's what we need. People are pointing to this as like an example that those laws worked and were effective. Um, yeah. Like we were saying, if anybody 
is going to have a gun in a church. I would love if every time somebody in a church has a gun, it is a person that has been shooting guns precisely their whole life. Yeah. They know how to do it safely. They know how to keep a gun safe. They teach other people how to keep guns safe. And the guy that died, there's the video suggests that he was shot while reaching for his gun. Yeah, so it's, I mean, we've seen in so many of these shootings how much damage a person can do in literally six seconds. Like, this guy was killed within six seconds of opening fire, and yet two people were already dead. Like, I, I think it was the Dayton shooting lasted, like, seven seconds. And, like, nine multiple, people. Like, it, it's just the amount of damage that people can do with the guns that are available in such a short amount of time is so astronomical that it doesn't matter if you have a person like Jack Wilson or a security team in place. Like, yeah, that's great, but these people have weapons that can fire so many rounds. Like, part of part of what us crazy liberals want is just for you to not have a weapon that fires so many rounds that when, like, in the six seconds between when you open fire and you yourself are neutralized, you kill two people. Yeah. Well, also, um, the shooter should never have had a gun. Yeah. We still don't know exactly how he got his gun, but it is easy not to know when in Texas you don't need a background check to buy a gun from an unlicensed dealer. Amazing. So either he or somebody else, I'm not sure, usually they know by now, because usually what's the deal with the gun? That's why when these happen, I also try not to immediately be like, gun control, gun reform, because you never know. And if you, if you because the NRA is so aggressive on the other side, if you instantly get anything wrong about the type of weapon or how it was obtained. Oh, they jump on that. So it. uh, right. it's like gun people on Twitter will always be like, actually, there's no such thing right. as an assault re- yes. weapon. And the fact that you even said that means that you don't get to have an opinion on anything. <laughs> That's literally exactly what they, I think somebody has said that. Yeah, like right. it's it's crazy. Yeah. But this shooter, he had a violent past. One of his ex-wives um, got a protective order against him, described him as a violent, paranoid person. With a long line of assault and batteries with and without firearms. She called him a religious fanatic who's been battling with a demon. He's not nice to anyone. Um, well, so, when you're battling with a demon. Yeah, it's hard to be nice. He In 2012, he has a history of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. In 2012, he was considered mentally incompetent to stand trial on charges that he attacked the owner of a donut shop. And then he was committed to a psychiatric facility. In 2016, he was arrested for, he was basically just acting shady with a gun. And uh, by an oil refinery in New Jersey, he was arrested and pled guilty to criminal trespass. So basically it was like, yeah, I was being shady. This man had a gun, aggravated assault, committed to a psychiatric facility. Also, nothing wrong with being committed. That happens. Arrested and pled guilty to criminal trespass. He has a long rap sheet in this man. We yeah, don't, still, someone- we don't, I admit, we don't know how if he, because of Texas's lack, if he took it from a friend, that's something that's hard to control. Right. And it's also like we just have a proliferance of guns in this country that are floating around. So like that's a good point. I mean, it's like there's the gun control issue, which is one like I think legally if this man was able to get a gun like legally, that's insane and that should never happen. But once we tighten up these laws, we also have to start thinking about getting random guns off the street that someone like this man could potentially have access to and get illegally. Because now, since we have allowed so many guns to be sold, there are just a lot of guns floating around. Right. Yeah, a lot of times when people sort of do like international analyses of like, why does the U.S. have as many guns? And we do have pretty um, lax gun laws, but the the chief reason is because there are so many guns just around. There There are more guns than people. Yeah, I mean, there are people, there are individual people who own personal arsenals of many, many guns. And 
Yeah, there are laws in some states about how you can sell those and whatnot. But like if that's happening, people are going to be illegally giving access yeah. to guns to other people who never would have been able to buy them yeah. in the first place. I almost missed my flight to Colorado because we have, if you check in a dog, it's a whole thing. <laughs> He comes he, he comes like with us. I don't put the dog. Now I'm like so nervous. People yeah. think I'm a bad donor, dog owner because I throw up on the dog. <laughs> <laughs> that was just But we were accident. behind three people in MAGA hats with gigantic suitcases who were checking firearms and we almost missed our flight because it took them so long. They Ugh. probably have a right to do that. That's fine. But it just speaks to the proliferation of guns. The next story I think speaks to the, you know, the question of do guns kill people or do people kill people? Yes. I mean, guns kill people because... This guy that stabbed five people in uh, New York, he mm-hmm. could have shot a lot more people dead in a much uh, more efficient period of time. No people died. This is obviously yes. horrible. And maybe that's not Should a correct extrapolation. But go into what yeah, yeah, happened. Yeah. So um, a man named Grafton Thomas basically barged in on a Hanukkah celebration at a rabbi's house, screamed, uh, I'm going to get you. And stabbed five people before the people who were, you know, trying to celebrate Hanukkah. They were able to, like, fight him off with, like, chairs and other things. And then he ran away and they were able to get his license plate. And um, ultimately, through that, he was found. He also has a history of mental illness, his family says. Um, And he had a history of looking up, like, anti-semitic things online he was googling why does hitler hate jews and prominent companies owned by jews uh he also had like troubling journals we own all of them sorry just just a whole host of things but imagine the damage that he could have done if he had had a gun yeah and you know i don't i i tried to figure out like had this individual ever tried to get a gun i don't know but it is the first thing i thought yes that like Number one, if this person did have a history of mental illness, maybe there would be a reason. And that was and he interacted with the state in in a way that the state would know that and take action. Maybe he wouldn't have a gun. And also, yeah, if he had a gun, you can do a lot more damage with people by shooting them than stabbing them, because that is a lot of a lot of um, people in favor of liberal gun laws are like, if you're motivated enough to kill someone, you you will kill them. Yes, but it is so much harder to stab people to death yeah. than to kill them to death. I mean, it's a light early like 2020. Five people got stabbed and... One man, they're very gravely injured, of course. Yes. They don't want to like I know one person is like in a coma and might not ever come out. But like, we walked away with five people wounded, not an entire dinner party dead. Yeah. Which if this man had had an AK-47 or one of the AR-15 or whatever gun. I'm sorry, gun uh, gun people. I don't know all the guns. But the guns that we... I think it's the AR-15 is the one that we've seen used like time and time again. They would... uh, Like, we would very likely see that all of them were dead. Yeah. Like, there's just... Like, the difference is... Obviously, I would rather have not five people stabbed while they're trying to fucking celebrate Hanukkah. But... The difference between the damage you can do. Yeah, I think it just shows if if somebody is motivated by hate to kill, which is something that we've seen in a lot of these shootings, it is um, not having a gun is a huge barrier. Yeah, and and one last thing I guess to say about the Hanukkah stabbing is that this is a part of a weird and scary pattern of anti-Semitic incidents that have been happening in the New York area. There was a shooting at a kosher deli in Jersey City. And then something else happened over the weekend that I'm actually not 100% sure about where like a Hasidic man was targeted. So they're also um, 
it's it's pretty early, but they're looking into whether Grafton Thomas was associated with another stabbing of a Hasidic man um, near the city in November. Yeah. Um, a similar car. It was used to a car that his mother owns. Um, but yeah, I think the FBI is coming after him with hate crime charges. It's extremely sad. Yeah. It's just also like, it's been a weird time to be a New Yorker. Yeah, it's there's just that. a lot there's like... There's other just, stabbings, people getting run over by trucks and yeah. hit in the head with debris. Yeah. There was a girl who got faked kidnapped. Did yeah. you see about that? Yeah. She, there A whole Amber Alert went out yeah. and then... Our way of she life wasn't really is, kidnapped. Yeah. Okay, should we move on to the 2020 election, which is this year? Ah, I couldn't <laughs> believe it, but I couldn't believe it. it's still 11 months away. It's I know. basically like last month, but next year. Yeah. yeah, it's basically a year away, but it's still crazy to actually be like, oh my God, it is 2020 and it's right. happening. I know, it's thrilling. So without further ado, Amanda, it is time for the election section. So the big news of today is that former HUD secretary Julian Castro announced that he will be ending his candidacy for president of the United States. Castro was the only Latino candidate and one of the first major candidates to enter the race. But as we know, he struggled with a lot of financial difficulties. He didn't have the polling necessary to be in the last debate. It was unlikely that he would get it to be in the next debate. Yeah, I think he missed the past two, right? He missed November yeah. and December. Yeah, I had had a feeling that he was going to be the next yeah. one to drop I out. don't know. I guess I hadn't been thinking about it. I guess he had said when he didn't make November or December that if I don't make that, I'm going to. And I think he raised enough money. He just wasn't getting the polling. Yeah. Which just sucks. He, um, he has been sounding, sounding the alarm for a long time about how the race is getting more and more uh, white as we've been going along. He... You know, he was a really interesting and progressive candidate. My personal take on it is that he just didn't. I feel like the candidates that are surviving, obviously we can't take out the fact that they are all white. Yeah. Um, with the exception of Cory Booker, who's still technically in the race, but didn't make the last debate. But um, and Andrew Yang. Oh, and Andrew Yang. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Andrew he might, Yang he might well. not make the January one, though. That's surprises me. And I want Andrew Maybe Yang that's to true, stay. His numbers are like he raised almost as much as Elizabeth Warren. But. Yeah, he raised good money, I felt. Um, but I do feel like in the case of both Castro and Kamala, I feel like what this race is coming down to is this moderates versus progressives thing. And if you don't find a way yeah. to be seen in one or the other lane and you're just kind of running around in the middle there, those are the candidates that are like, dying like flies yeah that's a good point yeah that's how i just personally feel about yeah. it i feel like i mean anytime a candidate drops out we're like vp but he's uh, a latino from texas yes and this year will be the first election year where um hispanics make up the largest minority voting group um this is the first year i believe that they it's a greater percentage of the electorate than african-americans i think for hispanics about 13 percent um yeah, and, and and with Texas in play for Democrats as hard as it is, I do feel like he has a really good shot. Yeah, you have Julian Castro, who's like from Texas, a darling. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know him personally. I mean, like a political darling. I know. I think <laughs> well, he was on Hillary's shortlist. Oh, to right. Be, really? It was either him or Joaquin. Yeah. One of the Castro twins yeah. was on her shortlist to be her vice president. And then for reasons we'll never understand, she picked him. Right. <laughs> Oh, my God. I know. I wonder if Joaquin can finally shave his beard. I do love little Timmy Kane, but yeah. why? I know. One thing I will say about Tim Kane is that when you call his Senate office, because I, I was from Virginia, so he used to be my senator, and I would call him. 
he does all of his own um, voicemail boxes, which oh, I think fun. is fun. And he carries a harmonica with him wherever he goes. That's really fun. And that's just fun. But good times for Bernie Sanders. Huge times huge, for Bernie huge, Sanders. Huge. Time. The biggest times for <laughs> Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I'm working on it. Yeah. We're getting our Bernie together. Um, he pulled in $34.5 million during 2019's last three months, the last quarter. This is the biggest single quarter for any 2020 Democrat this cycle. His campaign also reached 5 million individual campaign donors, which is the most in presidential campaign history. He also, Bernie's killing it. He also has like insane favorability with like young people. I don't know. I keep yeah. walking around saying to people that I think he's the nominee. And I. Um, the, well, there was a story that came out over the break yeah. where um, that Democratic like, insiders are yeah, like the insiders. all looking around and being like, you know what? The nominee might be Bernie Sanders. Right. I because we're I mean, all like at least like. Oh, it's Joe Biden. So let's get ready for a Joe Biden. Doesn't have if we don't want it to be Joe Biden. It doesn't have and to be. We would be. rather it be Bernie Sanders. We can probably do that. He also has been steadily climbing in the polls this whole time. He just like he just keeps on trucking along, even though like a lot of people count him out for a lot of different things. He doesn't have viral moments or anything. Like not, it just it's yeah, not like not, he's doing things that are. Um, earning him more, maybe people are just discovering his, him. Yeah, and I, and one thing that is important is he does poll high in a lot of these states that we need to win back in 2020 mm-hmm. if we want to win the president. If we want to win the presidency, I never subscribed to the like Bernie would have won BS because I feel like I feel like number one. Yeah, maybe Bernie pulled higher in these other states that Hillary lost, but we don't know if he would have lost states that Hillary won because because of whatever. Right. Like, would maybe he would have lost Virginia, whereas Hillary won Virginia. Like, we don't actually. There's no way to say that. Right. I, yeah. Um. You can't just assume that he would have won all of Hillary's states and then gained states. Yeah. You know, like that. I feel like that's a flawed assumption. I agree. But um, I actually recently listened to um, NPR has been doing like a thing about like every like the moment that defined every candidate. And I listened to one. It was about Bernie's first race to become mayor and like his time as mayor of Burlington. And like this man has been out here. Yeah. Talking about this shit like for a long ass time. It's like it's him in the 70s talking about how we need universal health care. I'm like. Okay. Yeah. You know, you got to put put some respect on his name, man. Yeah. I was listening to um, a podcast from like, I think it was a couple months old of Freakonomics with Andrew Yang. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how like in his 20s after he quit like his big law firm, he had a bunch of hustles. And one of them, he was just like, I threw parties. And the the interviewer didn't follow up on that. You I was like, I want to know follow up on that so much, especially because he was a dime. So yes. I want to know about these parties and I what know. was going on. I didn't know that he also was, I didn't know. He taught the GMAT. I didn't know he was CEO of Manhattan Prep. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, we'll run down some of these other numbers. Pete Buttigieg raised $24.7 million, uh, which is, he, that means he got $76 million over the year. That's with 2 million individual donations. And I don't know how much, what percentage of that was raised in a wine cave or what the <laughs> deal is there, but... Um, Mayor Pete's doing well for himself. He also announced he's officially not running for a third term as right. mayor of South Bend, which I thought was cute. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I was curious. It's but I hope we still call him Mayor Pete. Yeah. I think we, I think he'll always. I think he wants that. I feel like even if it's he. like the president. Once a mayor, always a mayor. Right. I feel like if he like even won the presidency, we'd be like President Mayor Pete. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Andrew Yang got 16.5 million. Uh, with 1.3 million from New Year's Eve alone. So a lot of drunk people just being like, fuck it, I'm donating to Yang. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. 2020 is the year of Yang. Yeah. Uh, and then Elizabeth Warren's campaign, They have. I don't think they've officially come out with their numbers. Yeah, yet. before a couple days before the end of the year, they said 17 million in the fourth quarter. But, but I don't know more. if they've if she told, got some New Year's Eve. Right, <laughs> if, she got, if other people yeah. got drunk and donated right. to Liz, we don't know. That could account for... She has a plan. <laughs> Considering how much I've spent on Ubers on New Year's yeah. Eve, like people do get drunk and spend a lot of money. So who knows? <laughs> here it is. The election year is here. I know. We'll be it's all really, over really it. happening. My emails are insane. Yeah, really. I mean, what I will say is like, because I donated to Liz and I've donated to Liz and then I've donated to Bernie in the past and I get an email every second yeah. of every day yeah and i it's too much yeah i subscribe i haven't given to joe biden's but i get his emails and they're just very funny because they just have subject lines that are like i'm sorry the subject lines are we can who do is it. writing the subject line so for thirsty. campaigns emails they're crazy yeah they're crazy sometimes they're just like hi elise i'm like what the <laughs> fuck is this <laughs> like, do you what do you need right or like a text yeah. and i just assume it's from somebody i know and i just see it's just like hello amanda sometimes oh, no. like i remember for obama's they would be like want to get dinner and i'm like i'm like do are we really? dating like what is happening and it's like for a competition or yeah. something oh, oh my yikes. god should we move on to one more thing yeah. quickly <laughs> yes um, protesters in Iraq rang in the new year with a two-day siege on the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad in retaliation of airstrikes by the U.S. that killed 24 people. This is pretty terrifying looking yeah. and obviously was tinged with Benghazi flashbacks, which nobody likes no. and feels very upsetting. Um, the crowds dispersed after about a day and a half. I think the, the leaders said like, OK, I think we made our point. Mm -hmm. But then later, the leaders said that they had come to an agreement um, with Iraq's prime minister to move ahead with legislation to force American troops to withdraw from Iraq. Um, yeah, which after this happened, and I don't think our ambassador was there, but there was plenty of staff and diplomats there. Yeah, and they were we trapped more in truths. the embassy, like yeah. for New Year's Eve, which is so crazy to me. The first thing I thought when I saw this is like, this is why you don't publicly disparage ambassadors. Yeah, and send your lawyer to do it and call them bad news on Twitter. This is why because they have dangerous jobs. Yeah, Marie Ivanovich yeah. in her testimony, that was like one of the big things she was talking about was she was like I've been shot at yeah. like I've been in danger and for me to get like my reputation dragged through the mud when I'm like putting myself yeah. on the line for this country like right ambassadors like if you don't do. think if you think you can get away with this without upsetting the American president then we've something has happened right yeah. it's like well maybe they would attack and people would attack an embassy because they're like well the president has keeps talking shit right. about the ambassador here so how what fast would they yeah totally um and just go in for on like the reason why this happened basically we conducted the u.s conducted an airstrike on this it's it's a group that's in iraq but they are backed by iran and they're sort of like a paramilitary group that according to us, are responsible for some attacks that led to deaths of some U.S. servicemen. So then we conducted this airstrike, which killed 24 people and a bunch of Iraqis who either support this group or just who are fed up with us. Yeah. Fucking around in their in yeah. their country and bombing them. Right. We've been trying to do this for 16 years. And yeah. They're they still like, can came you go, out can you go now? And we're like, yeah. stop conducting airstrikes in our country. So that's yeah. why this happened. And they did chant death to America. And they did try right. to break into the compound. Yeah. 
we which did I can send, only imagine oh would God. be extra, so frightening for the people inside. I can't even yeah, begin. They sent, a, I think the day after, we sent about 750 troops from Fort Bragg to help with security. And um, ultimately, I think that number will go up to 4,000, which sounds like a, a really large deployment. Yeah. So... <laughs> Not the best, but they cra- the crowds did disperse and no one was actually harmed yeah. in that. Though I'm, I, I again, cannot imagine how frightening it would be to be trapped in an embassy over New Year's Eve and people are outside trying to break in and screaming death to America. That would yeah. be very alarming. <laughs> so I would also be especially nervous of that if with a President Trump. Yeah, exactly. Like, what is he going to do? do? Is he going to... He doesn't he, seem to care about Is me. he going to inflame the situation yeah. more? Is he going to just ignore it because he doesn't care about diplomats? Like, yeah, who knows? But luckily, it seems like that situation has dissipated because it could have been like it could have been a Benghazi situation for sure. All right, guys. I think that brings us to the end of today's episode. Uh, Happy 2020. Happy 2020. Uh, Hopefully this will be we'll have to completely reformat the podcast after the (laughs) November election and just be about positive. Yeah. We'll change to a positive affirmations podcast. (laughs) We just do mantra meditations or whatever. Um, So, guys, until the end of democracy or until democracy survives. uh, I'm Elise Morales. I'm Amanda Duberman. And this is the Betches Sup Podcast. This episode of the Betches Sup Podcast was hosted by Amanda Duberman and Elise Morales. The Sup was created by Sammy Fishbein. The podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman. Our editor is Sean Kilby. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Make sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Betches.